Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. You mean to wish me a good morning? What do you mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? Please go away. Let me speak for the love of gonna let that that music fill the air for a moment ben some um, some good return to work mojo washing over us right now I, do, I feel like well i feel like now that i'm in the studio i actually am in funky town <laughs> wow holy shit you're in the studio i'm here i'm wow. live for the first time ever ben is at the desk that's incredible and holy shit well it may be march already but happy new year to you mate it's um it's been a long time between drinks it has, yes. Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Chinese New Year, uh, <laughs> Happy Festival of Lights. I don't know what else there is. Uh, well, I hope you've been well. Happy Festivus. Uh, what else is there? I don't what know. The well, other ones? Uh, happy Women's Day. Has that been in between? Australia Day or Invasion Day has happened. There's, uh, there's everything. Yeah, it's been a good time. Uh, Anzac Day, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, in there, Valentine's Day, which I heard that they're trying to get get you to redo this weekend now. If you last weekend was it last weekend? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't trust if you can't trust the uh, 1278 Magic FM news service, uh, which is the only news service I, I pay attention to, and that seems to think it was this weekend. <laughs> well, hello to everybody listening. Uh, we hope you had a great holiday period over the Christmas and New Year's. It's already 2021, but it, it's not exactly much different from 2020, really. This time last year, we were talking about well, making fun of coronavirus, and here we are now, 12 months later. We're all sporting designer face masks. And I'm pretty sure our DNA is made up of 50% hand sanitizer. Mine certainly is. <laughs> That's good to know now that you're in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let, me, let, me just, let me just put this out to you. Out there, for those people who haven't tried it, hand sanitizer makes a very poor lube. <laughs> so don't... It's, it's alcohol-based. <laughs> it evaporates very quickly. And... Uh, it burns. It just leads to more chafing. <laughs> The chafing it's supposed to protect you against, it actually causes. That is a PSA. That is, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I've always wanted to do a PSA announcement, and now I've done one. So, welcome to the show, everybody. Good Movie Monday, of course, is presented by FakeShemp.net, home of the nerdy cinematic ramblings. The show can be found on the iHeartRadio network, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, all of those things, wherever you get your podcast from. There's plenty for us to talk about. Coming up a little bit later on, we're going to be treating you to a very special conversation with Hollywood legend Robert Duvall. That's Robert Duvall from The Godfather and Tender Mercy's fame. I think it goes without saying that's a pinch me moment, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, shocked when you told me that you had got the interview. Uh, and uh, when I listened to the interview, <laughs> I was once again, it was it was like, oh, I can't believe he got this. I can't believe I got his 
home phone number. Yeah. <laughs> and isn't that like I I remember for work I had to call um when we were releasing the stuff. I had to call Larry Cohen mm. to try and sort out some stuff with the extras. And it was yeah, it was just like his his home phone number and I'm like, uh hello is uh and I knew it was him who he answered the phone. I'm like, uh, is uh Mr. Larry Cohen there please? Kind of it's just the weirdest it's totally the weirdest thing ever. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, that's a bucket list for me. Um, listen up later on. You'll get to hear it for yourself. We do have the gang back together on this show. Jarrett will be up in a moment talking about what's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray. Guillermo will be giving us the weekly rundown from Screen Realm and Adam Ross will be revisiting the 90s with an action banger. And those boneheads, of course, from Kentucky will be swooning all over Robert Duvall. We're also going to take a look at what's screening at the Astor in Melbourne this week. So add to that, some prize giveaways, um, more of those nerdy cinematic ramblings, all of the stuff that we pride ourselves on yet to come. We should also give a plug to Four Pillars Gin. They're a distillery located deep in the Arrow Valley and uh, they've been named the world's leading gin producer for the last two years in a row. And short of becoming an official sponsor of this show, they have provided us with a bounty of gin products, which we're going to be enjoying on the show with guests throughout the year. So please do visit fourpillarsgin.com. And if you're in Victoria, take a day trip up to their distillery in Hillsville. Make a day trip of it. It's good stuff. So for this first episode of our second season, is it a season or a series? What do you reckon? I think podcasts are a series. Yeah? I like to, Oh, yeah, I, th- I think so. I think okay. a series. So for this first episode of our second series, uh, we're going to start with a bit of a catch-up. Uh, ben, I do want to hear about what you've been up to over the summer, but before that, I want to recap on what we've been doing. At um, Good Movie Monday, we've had a summer series of videos. They've um, been dropping every Monday, and they're just tidbits of you know exclusive interviews and stuff I've dusted off and uh, there's been 10 of them so if you go back to our YouTube and Facebook channels we've got an interview with John Wynn the director of The Rising Hawk Mila Jovovich and Paul W.S. Anderson they were talking about uh, Monster Hunter that's a good one because that gives you a bit of an insight into how the whole media roundtable works it's it's an awkward process but <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say how did you go because I know it's a pet peeve of hers uh, people who mispronounce her name and you're like come on yeah, well, like I, it's not like no, you know, exactly. it's not like your last name's Smith. <laughs> That's like, right. Just, uh, have a normal name a, for God's sake. I mean, you have. I mean, look, sure, you've been famous for the best part of twenty years, but still, <laughs> get a get a get a grip, Miller. You do, uh, Miller. Miller, see, <laughs> I'm already on the outs. I've put her offside. And I'm not even having even spoken to her. Oh, look, the interview. I mean, I love her. Like I love her. But... The interview's done and dusted, but she's a pain in the ass. Um... <laughs> We also had Lloyd Kaufman and, that's the and Lloyd Kaufman's, uh, that was a video version of the interview we did last year on the show, but it's just the video version. I thought we've got the video. Why not put why it not out put there? It I was going to say for someone who, uh, who said, look, let's take a break. We won't come back till March. You've been an incredibly busy beaver. <laughs> well, you've got to get that mojo going. You've got to keep it going. Yeah. You've got to keep people interested or else they forget who we are. Yeah. But we also, I dusted off an interview I did with Chris Sanders. He's the director of Call of the Wild. That's a really good conversation. Um, Keith returned to the desk for a conversation about Westerns mm-hmm. and that was always, it's always good to have him back on the desk from time to time. How's that seat feeling for you? That's, you know, it's now officially your chair, mate. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm stretching it out. <laughs> well, you know, Keith wore it in and now you stretch yeah. it out. Like, like our, our, our ass prints are totally different. <laughs> like, uh, I think, I think he can sit in one cheek groove of mine <laughs> So, um, I feel sorry for the chair. <laughs> like it's, it's struggling. We'll have to have him back and see how that works. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, what else? We had Luke Sparks. He came on to discuss Occupation Rainfall. That was a good conversation. Yeah. And a good film. I really like that one. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's a um, uh, remarkable what he managed to achieve, uh, considering he shot it all in Queensland. Mm. And, yeah. It's a bang for buck movie. Like, it, it was much bigger than I anticipated. Mm. Obviously, coming off the first one, which was quite small. Although big for what it was, yeah, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I really dug it. And the, the, the promise of it being a middle part or the first part of another installment yeah, is which, exciting. Which we, I, like, I don't know. I think Grant maybe knew, but I certainly didn't know. Yeah. It wasn't until I got to the end of the movie and I'm like, chapter one, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Because I asked Luke, I said, look, you know, the fact that, you know, you've got another one coming and he, he's kind of going, oh, um, haven't really announced that yet. I'm like, but it's it's in it's, the movie. It, yeah, you totally have. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's at the end of the film. Nevertheless, we also I, I put up a video of Keith Williams and Brady Noonan from Good Boys. Remember that? And that's an old interview I just dusted off because I forgot I even had it. You know, little Hollywood kids are like weird. They're like yeah. subhuman. I don't know, but they're they like, were great. They're like, they're like the mole people, or from uh, Alien in LA. And yeah, <laughs> and Jacob Tremblay. No, Tremblay was that his name? Jacob Tremblay, the little kid from Room. Yeah, 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 whatever. There, well, he was the like the headlining of the three boys in that movie, and he pulled out at the last minute. So, right, yeah. I was gonna say he hasn't been in Albert Pune films, so I don't know who he is. <laughs> was he in Wanorski's recently? I don't think he was in a, in a <laughs> like maybe in the you know, the women's pr- prison shark and saw massacre or whatever it was. Maybe one of the one of the more recent ones. And then we followed up with two other interviews. Um, Rolf to hear the the director of uh, Bad Boy Bubby came along to discuss that as well as Dingo. It was that that was more of a, a Dingo interview. And mm. then um, Nicholas Hope, Bad Boy Bubby himself, came on and talked about that. They were awesome interviews, yeah, both Nick, of which Nick were a great guy. both of which were facilitated by Monster. So you know, yeah. Umbrella and Monster came together for me on that one. So yeah, if you want to catch all of those, just go to our website, fakeship.net, our Facebook page or our YouTube channel and you'll find it there. Uh, we also have um, some other big names. They don't stop there. Coming up over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking to uh, Clayton Jacobson. Uh, he's the guy that directed Kenny and Brothers Nest. We've got Neil Marshall coming up who directed The Descent and Hellboy. And next week, we're going to have Glenn Zipper, who's a Hollywood producer behind the movie Zapper. So that's Zipper on Zapper. <laughs> Plus many more throughout the year. But anyway, let's move on. Hang tight there, Ben. We'll get to you in a sec. Now, Jarrett. Hey, this is Jarrett. Welcome to PE Class. Now, 2021 is looking pretty exciting for home entertainment in my book, and that's because the studios don't have those tentpole titles to rely upon to release on home entertainment regularly. So they're being forced to go through their back catalogue to release some classics and contemporary classics to the 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray formats for the very first time. In fact, at the end of the month, we're seeing Paramount release Cecil B. Mills' The Ten Commandments to 4K Ultra HD for the first time and just in time for Easter. So I'm excited about that. Sony's going through and releasing some of their more contemporary classics like Tim Burton's Big Fish and Gattaca to 4K Ultra HD in the coming months. So yeah, it's an exciting time for home entertainment. But what should you get excited about this week on home entertainment? Let's kick it off with Umbrella Entertainment. And then we've got Leap of Faith making its global Blu-ray debut. This one has Steve Martin as a con man, come evangelist, Jonas Nightingale. It's a vastly underrated light drama. I saw it twice at the movies when I was like an 11 or 12 year old. It also stars a post-cocaine abuse Deborah Winger, a young Liam Neeson, and even Meatloaf in a meaty role. Sorry, not sorry. Moving on to Psycho Gorman. This one picked up the 2020 Monster Fest Audience Award, and it's arriving on Blu-ray as part of the Beyond Genres line. 
This is following last month's release of Bad Boy Bubby. It's loaded with special features and also that exclusive Siamese Sherry art that the kids can't shut up about. But hurry, as the slipcover is limited. Hashtag slip life. Then, also from Umbrella, we've got We of the Never Never. This is the 1982 Aussie feature, and it's the fourth volume on Umbrella's sunburnt screens imprint. It hosts a stunning 4K restoration and ports over all the special features from the previous Blu-ray release. Then onto Cinema Cult, they're releasing Mummy Dearest. Cinema Cult, they're stepping up their game. They're not only the first to market with this feature globally on Blu-ray, but also they've included over 40 minutes of featurettes. It smells like good old-fashioned comeback to me, or it could have been Glenn's ass. Who's to know? Then, finally, from Defiant Screen Entertainment, we've got Possessor, the greatest film of 2020, and the 2020 Monster Fest Golden Monster Award winner is hitting Blu-ray. Possesses a sophomore feature from Brandon Cronenberg following his 2012 film Antiviral and it was well worth the wait. In fact, this film is not only great, it fucking rules. I had the pleasure of seeing this film at Sundance last year and I will say that as many times as I want. It was the world premiere and I was absolutely floored by this feature and I've seen it a further two times in cinemas since. And I had the pleasure of working, or I should say the honor of working on the theatrical marketing for this film in Australia. I love this movie. I think it's just amazing. It's my favorite film of last year. And the local Blu-ray, in fact, trumps the US Blu-ray because not only does it have all the same features being three deleted scenes and three featurettes, it also has a short film from Brandon on there as well. You need to see this movie. You need to pick up this Blu-ray. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. Until next time, stay physical. All right, mate. Take it away. What have you been up to? Well, like everyone else in, in in Australia or in the world, I've been uh, sitting in my own filth <laughs> doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> like there's not, like, I mean, like at work we've been quite busy because we've had the occupation rainfall uh, theatrical and Possessor before that and um, Monster Fest and, and uh, you know, working with Umbrella and stuff. But uh, apart from that, like it's like... <laughs> You know, a couple of weeks ago when they announced the snap lockdown in Victoria. Yeah. And I, was, I realized that my life did not change <laughs> one iota. Like the only time I was leaving, I was leaving the house to take the dog for a walk in the morning and to go to the supermarket. You're like, they released the first it. lockdown? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. What about, what about um, Celebrity Death Watch? I mean... Yeah, now you, you mentioned of- that we were going to talk about this and I was like... Who's who's actually well, died? I was like, surely, like, I mean, last oh, I last year, people died every week between the shows. Yeah, yeah. Like, so surely there's like an a, a Mount Olympus of like I'm bodies. Sure there's a, yeah, there's a, <laughs> it's like the zombie apocalypse of uh, celebrity deaths. I don't know. Uh, well, what? Who was the um the James Bond actress that died, got resurrected, then died again? Tanya Roberts. Yes, that was sad. Tanya Roberts. That was that was incredibly sad. I was shocked that she the the when we first heard it because she was so young. Mm comparatively yep um and i like i thought i didn't think it was legit yeah and then it was then when she came back you're like see i knew this was <laughs> horseshit and then no oh, how no, how don't. do you react you're that guy that releases this information and you're like Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, whoops like talk about like you know like i make a mistake at work and a cinema has to cancel its screenings for that day <laughs> like that guy makes a mistake for work and he's <laughs> And I'm sure, you know, like at one point I had to, uh, and I hope we don't get it for the show and she's not listening, but uh, there was at one point I was trying to get an interview with uh, Sandal Bergman mm. and I had to go through her agent and her agent's email was uh, like 
Crom is the real god at gmail.com or something like that. Don't email that email address. <laughs> um, and I remember well, thinking, do, try so this guy's obviously like a super fan who's wormed his way in yep. by helping her at conventions and stuff yes. and is now her, her agent yep. or her manager. We know the type. And, you know, they all, you know, a lot of these <laughs> age, you know, older celebrities have, they're, have them. They're gullible. Like, yeah. like, for lack of a better word, like they're susceptible to that kind of yeah. and personality. I mean, look, look, I guess it's like, a, it's a total, um, oh, what's what's that phrase? Um, codependent relationship. Yeah. Like, you know, they love having someone who's totally enamored with them, but isn't a psycho. And that, and the person is like, they get to hang out with their idol, which, yep. you know, uh, is, is great for them. But it's like, it's just a weird thing when you email them. And I figured that this guy was one of those. He's just <laughs> yeah. like, well, I'm the world's biggest sheen of Surely that's happening to Richard Simmons right it. now. <laughs> like, surely that he's got to have one of those. Well, I thought well, Richard Simmons, all his fans are all dead. Oh, okay. All of the people in his workout videos. Is that you talking about, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Because all, all his workout videos is working he out went, with the oldies. He went missing for three years. <clears throat> three? Don't you mean 20 years? He was a regular guest on Letterman, but uh, that all ended. I think even when, when Letterman moved over to Prime, to the, yeah. uh, you know, Netflix. Not, not, not the late, late show. Oh, that's right. Yeah, show yeah. When he just went over to just to the regular late show. <laughs> That's when Richard Simmons stopped being a regular guest on Letterman, right? He was replaced by Stupid Petrix. What a what a happy upbeat <laughs> segment our celebrity death watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, who else um, passed away? Michael Apted died. Yeah, right. That was a big deal for me. I mean, there goes the up series. Yeah. Um, which is that's I mean, to the to the delight of most of the participants. In fairness, <laughs> like those people were getting up there as well. The people in the series. I oh, know. So a... there's no, yeah, you know, somebody could take over, I suppose. Well, that was essentially celebrity, you know, celebrity death watch the show, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> the entire life. Um, Cloris Leachman. Yes, that was sad. Like that everyone sad. loves Cloris Leachman, but I mean, she was another one that um, was old forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. She like, yeah like she's like um, I'm trying to think of um you got your your um oh, I don't want to say names because I'll probably curse them <laughs> yeah but I know who you talk I know what you're talking about but she did she you're Maggie did Smith like, let's just say it she's yeah. been old since forever I mean she was she was middle aged in and it like it is an unfair movie but last picture show yeah she's older than everyone else in that cast and everyone at, like yeah there was like Jeff Bridges and stuff like mm. that who's that now playing you know old man in everything. And she was, you know, a generation older than all, everyone else in that in that movie. And but I mean, that is a bit fraudulent because that movie is shot in black and white when color well and truly existed. Yeah, and so it makes it feel like it's older than it actually is. I wonder what Cloris Leachman's last picture show was. Would have been something after shocking. Was it Bad Santa two, something like that. Shocking. No, she didn't make it to Bad Santa two. Didn't they? They got someone else. She's I don't know. Just she, I think she did some hallmarky kind of stuff. Yeah, you should have been all over that. Should have. Yeah. <laughs> well, who else? Um, that would be. I mean, that would have been great. Like if she was the romantic lead in in like a like a hallmark murder mystery yeah. <laughs> series yeah. of films. Like like if they remade the Margaret Rutherford Miss Marples, but with Cloris Leachman. <laughs> what should, like, I mean, who we got? We've, we've still got Betty White. Knock on wood. So like you know, if I were her, Despite I'd be put into efforts. my. In, <laughs> I'd be put. <putting laughs> Like I've dropped her name enough times in these celebrity death segments. I'd be putting and still. I would be putting into my will if I were her that once I pass, keep using my body. 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, taxidermy like the, uh, and just like have her weekend at Bernie style. Yeah. yeah. She- <laughs> animatronic Betty White. I mean, I look, I think that they made a, they made a major mistake in, in uh, Wayne's world when they talked, when the, the roadie is like, yeah, that's why Keith can't be killed by conventional weapons. <laughs> yeah. It should have been, that's why Betty White, <laughs> Betty White can't be killed by uh, oh. conventional weapons. Like well, she's a machine. We've name dropped her too much. We're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, Hal Holbrook, he passed away. He was always good value. Yes, yeah, so he's another one like Cloris Leachman, who I felt like was was old for a long time. All right, well, shifting generations. Dustin Diamond. Yeah, Dusty. That was like really sudden. You know, he had a troubled life, but like when they announced he had cancer, I'm like, oh, poor bloke, he's been through enough. And then like two weeks later, he's well, I mean, yeah. and like it brought out like it, I didn't know it at the time. I thought his sex tape was legit. No, he, used, he used a stunt cock, which I mean, considering what happens in that video, not a bad idea. But, uh, but I didn't realize it. Like, well, the stunt cock lives on. The stunt cock is still alive. Yeah, yeah. So he so might be in the new Saved by the Bell. He can do he can do convention appearances now. Dustin Just a little curtain. Um, oh, this is terrible, dude. Uh, last one. There's more, but last one because I think you know we're we're gonna get cancelled before we know it. Christopher Plummer. Yes. Also, old forever. Well, I mean, I remember when um, Beginners came out, which yeah. was, I feel like, 10 years ago yep. or, or something. Yeah, it would have been about that. Um, thinking that... This is one he, of his like, last films. He was, yeah. Mm. You know, like, kind of on death's door. But, like, you know, I like he, in the same in the same kind of boat that Edward G. Robinson was in, in um, Soylent Green. Yeah, yeah. When you know that in between takes, he's like on a hospital bed with an <laughs> oxygen mask on. Yeah. Like, that's what I thought... Yeah, they had him in a bubble. Yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. What else? What else? Well, that's the celebrity death watch portion of the show. <laughs> what else has been happening the, the since most our disrespectful portion of the show? Since our last show, Liam Neeson retired from action movies again. Well, I mean, look, that was his. You know, I watched that uh, the Good Thief, and you're like, like it made us seem to make a sizable amount of money at the box office. <laughs> yeah, but I did not like. I tried to watch it, and I was like, oh. This is really. I'm not, I'm not getting into this. Like, <laughs> like he's just. He's too good. He just shot one in Melbourne during. Uh, during yeah, he lockdown, was totally running around. Yeah, yeah. Is that that's the one that's I think in cinemas now or is just no no. I, I think this one? one's yet to come. It's post production still. I thought isn't that one? I thought that one that he made recently about the kid. I thought maybe, that was shot maybe here. it is. I don't know. I know one dropped on Home Entertainment a couple of weeks ago. Um, we I should really still... we should fact check ourselves before we hit the mic. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, this but, was not in the show notes. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that we were going to be talking about Liam Neeson. That's okay. So what I about? Do, um, although I have been watching, uh, it was on uh, Go a couple of, a couple of uh, last week. Uh, Kingdom of Heaven was on, so I've been watching. Oh, yeah. I've been watch. I watched the the ridiculous theatrical cut, and then the more, most awesome director's cut uh, straight after that with the Ridley Scott commentary. But it's one of those. It's one of those god awful commentaries where it's it's Orlando Bloom, Ridley Scott, and the writer whose name I can't remember, but they've all obviously just done their own commentaries and they've spliced it together because no, the I hate cost that. of putting just three. The worst one is is uh, Aliens. Yeah, because you listen to it's James Cameron who's entertaining, but then it's the it's um the producer and the DOP. Yep, <clears throat> not entertain, not really entertaining at all, but like a solid listen. 
and then the cast, and it's Bill Paxton and Lance yeah, Hansen, yeah. and um, and they're not separate audio tracks. They actually just sort of they splice, just it, splice together. it all together. Ugh. But the actors one, they like they seem like they're having so much fun, and you just want to listen to them, <laughs> yeah. and then it just cuts to James Cameron, who's like totally sterile by himself, and technical. no one to bounce off. And yeah, like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we had a lot of people cancelled over the break. That's for sure. Yes. Sia, that, Sia's tis, been cancelled. Tis the season to be cancelled. Um, Gina Carano, who oh, well. who Disney um, inadvertently gave her like a new lease on life because she signed a big deal with the Daily Wire to produce like her own film. Yeah. You know, Freedom. <laughs> I remember thinking that seemed to be a bit ridiculous, her cancelling. Yeah, Disney have kind of gone down that road with her, like James Gunn. And, you know, they, yeah, they seem to like a knee-jerk cancel. Yeah. And then they're like, Reel it back in a second. Like, she, like, I mean, maybe she is a bit crazy. But she's like, you're allowed to be a Republican. You're allowed to be conservative. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, you know, that's the whole thing about democracy. Living in a democracy <laughs> is that you're allowed to have a different opinion. Yeah. Like, you, no one has to agree with it, but you're allowed to have it. Well, look, she might have fallen off the um the 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 books of Disney, but you know, she just landed straight into a conservative, you know, new studio that's making film. They just made a new film about a school shooting. Um, with Aaron Eckhart, was he in that? No, no, not who's the cheap Aaron Eckhart. Um, Thomas Jane TV's Aaron Eckhart <laughs> Thomas Jane um, it's this great Toy Soldiers kind of movie that they've just produced yeah, and right. now they've got her on for their second anyway um, also turns out Army Hammer is a cannibal yeah <laughs> <laughs> like I wonder is, is he a cannibal or is it like a Joaquin Phoenix like he's just got into it's the odd. role it's odd and I mean not that there's anything wrong with being a cannibal I mean really I mean it's frowned upon we but, can make know, light of it eat, but I don't need spinach, mate. So uh, should there be like validity to what's been rumored and whatnot? It's pretty serious stuff, but you know, it's amusing at the same time. Like if he if he didn't kill the people, (laughs) if he's just eaten them, yes. Like you know, people donate their bodies to medical science. It should just be another checkbox. I donate my body to Army Hammer. (laughs) Well, speaking of cannibals, uh... here's Gamo. What's happening, everybody? It's Gamer here again from ScreenRealm.com. Happy to be back on Good Movie Monday for 2021, the year that, of course, will fix everything. Let's kick off with a little bit of the news that we've covered on the website in the past week. Kicking off with the first war film for director Guy Ritchie, known for Snatch, Sherlock Holmes, and The Gentleman, among many other films. Guy Ritchie will be directing Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare a Paramount Pictures project based on Damon Lewis's long-titled 2015 book, which tells the true story of what may have been Britain's first black ops unit. The story is set in 1939 during World War II, following the military unit that was crafted under Winston Churchill's order. The group operated on their own and engaged in rule-breaking acts of warfare to take down the Nazis behind enemy lines. Guy Ritchie will also be on board to write the screenplay. The latest draft of it comes from a private war and Grace of Monaco scribe Arash Amel. Big time producer Jerry Bruckheimer is also on board. A movie on British singer-songwriter Robbie Williams is in the works with Australian director Michael Gracie, known for Hugh Jackman musical The Greatest Showman, at the helm. Gracie has written the screenplay with Olive Cole and Simon Gleason, both of whom are reportedly first-time screenwriters. The film, which has been titled Better Man, also the title of Robbie Williams' 2001 release single, will be exploring the pop star's trajectory from boy band member at 16 to best-selling solo artist. And of course, the demons he battled on and off the stage along the way. As for who will be playing the angel singer, it could be Williams himself, it could be another actor, it could be a variety of them. Speaking to Deadline, Gracie said, 
As far as how we represent Robbie in the film, that bit is top secret. I want to do this in a really original way. He went on to say, it's this fantastical story and I want to represent it in its harsh reality all the way to those moments of pure fantasy. Cameras on Better Man are expected to begin rolling around midway this year. Dave Bautista and Mila Jovovich will be starring in a feature adaptation of In the Lost Lands, a short story from Game of Thrones author George R.R. Martin. Set to direct the film is Paul W.S. Anderson, known for the Resident Evil films and Monster Hunter, also starring Mila Jovovich, who he's married to in real life. The plot of In the Lost Lands involves a queen who is desperate to fulfill her love, so she hires a sorceress, played by Jovovich, and sends her to the ghostly wilderness of the Lost Lands, where this sorceress and her guide, played by Dave Bautista, must outwit and outfight both man and demon. And finally, the title of the next Spider-Man movie has been revealed, Thanks to an amusing viral video starring Tom Holland, Zendaya and Jacob Batalon, we now know that the official title for the next Spider-Man film is Spider-Man No Way Home. The title continues on the home theme of the franchise's previous titles, Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home. It also suggests a more grave tone for Marvel's third Spider-Led chapter. Don't forget how we left Peter Parker at the end of Far From Home. Maybe I won't say it just in case you haven't seen it yet, but the little we know thus far, it sure sounds like Spider-Man No Way Home will have a lot going on. Not only will Benedict Cumberbatch be involved as Doctor Strange, as a new mentor figure of sorts for Peter Parker, it will also see the multiverse return of previous Spidey villains Electro and Doctor Octopus, Jamie Foxx and Alfred Molina reprising their roles respectively, plus there's also the rumour that previous Spider-Men Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield will be back, but that's yet to be confirmed. Mark the date as of now, because you never know with these changes, Spider-Man No Way Home will be hitting US cinemas on December 17th and Australian cinemas on December 26th. That about does it for me guys, apart from movie, TV news and trailers and all that jazz, be sure to also visit ScreenRealm.com for your latest Australian streaming release schedules. We have March schedules up right now for Netflix, Amazon, Binge, Shudder, all the good stuff. And in case you haven't yet, be sure to join ScreenRealm everywhere on social media before Facebook decides to have another hissy fit. Thanks so much for having me, I'm out of here. Phone checker, swinging sword lecture, closing down the sector, supreme neck protector. Better want him, kid, Mr. Mepsa. Falling pop, about to blow his lid from the pressure. Too hot for TV, for sheezy. Too many wanna be Harvey, easy. It's all in the gather, going all out together. It don't take much to please me. Still, homes are never satisfied like the stones. We don't condone biting, see them selling crossbones. Protecting what I'm writing, don't clash with the titan. Who blasts with a license to kill rap recitants? Come on, in the zone with your nigga from the group home to cow. Fuck your lifestyle. Put your life out. Get this shit to crack and got you feeling with your pipes out. Time for some action. Surfing the avenue. Mad at you. Where I used to battle crews. Back when Antoinette had that attitude. Cover me, I'm going in. Walls closing in. Got us busting off these pistols. My niggas got issues again. Same song. on with the mega bomb. Blow you out the frame, then I'm gone. Yo, I was going too, but we roam. Cellular phones. Doc map. Back in the flesh. Blood and bones. Don't condone. Spin bank loans and homegrown. Suckers break like turbo and ozone. When I grab the broom. Moonwalk platoon. 
heart, my goons bark, leave you in the blue lagoon, lost. True. B9's in the club with Nasu, D9 in the club, right behind on the bars. Haters don't touch, way is both up, now my neighbor doped up, got the cable hooked up. All channels, lift my shirt, all mammal, you ship off keys and we ship grand piano. Sold off shotgun, hand on the pump, sipping on the 40, smoking on the blood, bust my gun on. Well, thanks for Guillermo for that roundup. Please visit uh, ScreenRound.com and jump onto all their social media platforms, subscribe, like, and share, and all of that stuff because, as Guillermo said, they were unfortunate victims of Facebook's big media blitz. We didn't talk about that in the news. I think we did. It just got pulled because <laughs> uh, they didn't pay us right. or we didn't pay them. Oh. I'm not exactly sure how it works. I mean, you know what I find the, the most... The thing that's most ridiculous about that is that like, like if you have a, a website like a WordPress website or whatever. Yeah. It's actually, it's something you physically put in a Facebook share button so people can share your content to Facebook. You want it to be shared. Yeah. I mean, look, I do get where the Australian government is coming from and it is, I think, I do think it is a great thing. I think if you stop people being able to share stuff on Facebook and it's like the whole talk about, you know, the <laughs> pandemic, like critical information is no longer being shared on Facebook. Like <laughs> if you're getting your, your information from Facebook, one, you've got bigger problems. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, you know, verify it, please. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But it's not like old people do not have Facebook accounts. They're not on Facebook. They're not getting their information from Facebook. No. It's young people who should know better. Yes, but I think ultimately too, and you're right, there's two sides to this story and, you know, it's hard to sort of, you know, sit on one or the other. It's nice to be on the fence and just sort of, you know, it happened, mm. it's, it's dusted over. But ultimately, I think it frees up some more opportunities for media like yeah, look, a I, lot more opportunities for journalists now well that's it i mean look i, I think it's 100 percent legit like some like we should pay we should we should have to pay for news yeah like why not it employs so many people yeah and it means that instead of like now if you watch the news now it is the same story again and again it and is. again and you look at you look at any tv channel they seem to have like it's three hours worth of news from four to seven and it's just a repeat of the same stories. And all of those stories have come off a newswire. Like none of them seem to have investigative journalists that do their own stories. Because it's much cheaper because they're not making any money. Like yep. it's, it's just, it's, it is ridiculous. Exactly. And I think uh, Facebook knew they shot themselves in the foot almost immediately too. Because essentially they're, they're dictating what news we can and can't. You know, as opposed yep. to you know, people saying that well, it's all Murdoch media, this and that. It was all media that they blocked. And, yeah. and essentially saying that, you know we can't have access to that. Like, who are they to say that? Anyway. Yeah. And it is, and like, has, has no one seen Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? <laughs> like, that movie is in is from the 30s and they're, like, the guy owns newspapers in two cities and, contr- like, no shit. Like, <laughs> like, it is, it's, uh, there's so much, so much to say. <laughs> not the right but, platform but not to the say. not the right platform to say. <laughs> well, you might have also noticed that there was a song that was played <laughs> amongst all of that. And um, talk about one of our most unexpected segues because to lead us into the Robert Duvall interview, that was <laughs> De Rock Wilder by Method Man and Red Man from the, big, Gone, in, from the Gone in 60 Seconds soundtrack. soundtrack. I was going to say, big, big Duvall fans, Red Man. <laughs> And Duval is also, likewise, a big Redman fan. He is, and, and he was in Gone in 60 Seconds. He's, he was playing that since uh, Days, Days of Thunder. Of Thunder <laughs> he's played that role. 
that kind of mentor role and he's he does it in he's done it in a, like I, I was going through his filmography before and i'm like oh my god he's like he's in the jack reacher film like the first jack reacher <laughs> movie is the he's playing that like he's doing that for tom cruise he's playing the you know <laughs> yeah. kind of older wise man <laughs> well and he's like that's his thing now. without that's his jam without further delay um just to add some context to that i was asked to write an article about deval's 1997 film the apostle and I was asked to include a side note about Lonesome Dove. So is that's that, what we talked about. Is that, is that because it's coming out? On, it's just come out on Blu-ray through uh, Imprint? Absolutely. Imprint? Absolutely. And Lonesome Dove Blu-ray was released uh, a few months ago through the same company. And um, so this is what happened when I phoned his home in West Virginia and practically shat myself. Hey, Robert. Uh, Glenn here from Australia. Thanks for taking my call. How are you? Okay, okay. It's snowing here, so... Yeah, it's a little cold. <laughs> it's summertime down here, so quite the opposite. Yeah. Well, you got summertime down there now? Yes, we do. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, Australia, it's nice down there, yeah. Yes, it is. Um, so we're going to um, just discuss The Apostle briefly because it's having a re-release down here in Australia onto Blu-ray, and I wanted to ask you some questions about it. Right. I was, um, I was wondering... Several years ago, if I'm not mistaken, you uh, you said that you believe preaching to be a distinct American art form, which I do agree with. Yeah, I, I think so, yeah, it is. Because uh, these, these preachers, the uh, women can preach with equal with the men in the Pentecostal type of uh, religion. Yeah, and did it surprise you that the film did so well in other parts of the world where Pentecostalism is not as prominent in America? Yeah, true, but uh, it's gaining ground now, especially in South America. The Pentecostals are getting bigger and bigger, you know. Yeah. As, as, as an offshoot of the Protestant religions. Yeah, yeah, so it still resonates, and that's fantastic because it really helps the film have longevity. Um, and it's the first time that right, it's, the right. fir- it's the first time that you've directed yourself, I believe, in a film. Had you always intended to to be the lead? Not necessarily. I, I, I didn't know how it was going to be. I didn't know who to get to direct it, so I figured I had to do it. And it was, uh, you know, it's hard enough to just be an actor in a movie, but uh, I found that uh, not, not difficult at all doing both. Because I, I kind of liked it doing both, you know, because I could have control. It was my vision and my money, actually. You know? So uh, I uh, went forth in, in that way, and it was worked out okay, you know. I think Billy Graham liked the movie. There are people that didn't, obviously. That's always true. Yep. But uh, I understood that Billy Graham, the Greek Protestant uh, uh, Baptist preacher, uh, he, he, he enjoyed it, I, I heard from, uh, from certain people. Sure. And and the concept of you know a preacher on the run, essentially for murder, is quite a powerful motive. Where did the seeds of the, that aspect of the story come from? What influenced it? Just, I don't know, just, uh, I don't know how I came up with it. I just made, maybe in my imagination, you know, just you know, piecing it all together, I, I came up with that, you know, because uh, no matter what you do, I guess, in, in that form of religion, there's forgiveness no matter what kind of sin you exhibit or uh, do. Yep. There's uh, always uh, forgiveness. Sure. So, 
I understand that you are, you know, you are religious yourself. Is this the um, is this the, the type of religion you practice? Uh, well, I believe in the, the works of Jesus and uh, so forth. Yep. I have my own beliefs, you know, that I kind of harbor privately. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, I think we we kind of touched on it, but I I would like to know why you think it resonates today when in you know in other parts of the world you know atheism is on the rise and yet a film like this still feels very powerful well i don't know i don't know if, uh, the apostle is still on the rise or has a level of uh, has a certain le- level of longevity i guess people are always you know people always wonder what's next you know after after this after this life what is next so people always want answers and uh, there are certain uh, theoretical answers that are posed and uh, hopefully uh, real, fully realized and you know in, in, in any given religion like this you know the Pentecostal and, and in the black churches as well you know the best preacher I ever saw in my life uh, in any is my favorite it was a black preacher in Hamilton, Virginia, called, uh, his name was Isham Williams. Mm-hmm. And he was in World War One, and we met him in the early, when he was 90 years old. And uh, I took a friend of mine who was Jewish, and his wife was Catholic from Chicago, and I, he was a film, uh, film director. And I took him to hear Isham Williams preach, and he told me a year later he could never forget that man. It made such a wonderful imprint on his mind that this gentleman, this black preacher in Hamilton, Virginia. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Excellent. And, um, and, and Billy Bob Thornton, I can't talk to you about this film without discussing him. Um, I believe this performance was a bit of a trade-off for your, your part in Sling Blade. In, 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 no, in Sling Blade? No, did you, did he, um, did he appear in, the Apostle, um, because of your appearance in his film? Uh, well, we were buddies. We, we still are from a distance. I have a great respect for him. and uh, But uh, uh, I think uh, I think Slingmaid was done before, uh, before, before my movie. Am I wrong? No, no, you're right. But I, I, I read somewhere that he, um, he, he came to your film just out of gratitude for you sort of helping with his. Could be, yeah, that could be. You know, that was, perhaps was in the back of his mind, yeah. Billy Bob, yeah, he's a great guy, great guy. Yeah, very, very gifted, very gifted. Yeah. This... I call him the hillbilly Orson Welles. <laughs> I said, you put, Tennessee Williams, you put Tennessee Williams in the back seat. Very, very gifted guy, very gifted. Yeah, I agree, I love him. Um, fantastic. And um, where, does, where does the Apostle stand with you? I mean, you've got such an incredible body of work, you know, is, is this one of the top tier sort of important films to you? Could be, I, I, don't, I don't think of it often, but if I really think about it, that would come to be in my mind, yeah, as you say, it probably would be one of, but I, I think of certain things and I think of, you know, it doesn't come to my mind right away as one of my most important, but I'm, I'm sure if I really, really thought about everything, it would be one of the important ones. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, one one of your other films that uh, had a recent um, Blu-ray release down here as well is Lonesome Dove, of course. Um, which if I could that was, just that was my number one. That was my number one. Is it really? Yeah. 
It's 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 an incredible yeah, film. As far as a, a character goes, you know, it's like uh, I, they may be an honorary Texas Ranger. They're still in existence, the Texas Rangers. And when I got the award, some woman came up to me. She said, "We watch Lonesome Dove every year in Texas as a family unit, and I would not allow my daughter's fiance." to marry into the family until he had seen Lonesome Dove. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Especially in Texas, but other parts of the world, but especially in Texas, it's like a religion, uh, Lonesome Dove. Yeah, and what strikes me the most about the film, too, is the fact that it's such a classic American type of story being told by an Australian director. Yeah, but, yeah, but there's a, there's, a, there's a cowboy culture in Australia, too, I'm sure. Yeah. I find, yeah. Definitely. Exactly. Definitely. Simon Winston, yeah, he came, he came and did, uh, he worked hard, and we got it done, yeah. And, yeah, fantastic, and he came straight back to Australia to make another Western, so I guess, you know, you, you fired him up and got him inspired. Yeah, exactly, yeah, for sure, for sure. Lonesome Dove, right at the top of the list. I was in two... Two of the biggest uh, film phenoms of the 20th century, uh, and I was fortunate. Godfather one and two, and then and, and then Lonesome Dove. And I went to the dressing room one day. And said, "Boys, in, in, in Lonesome Dove, I said we're making a Godfather of westerns." <laughs> <laughs> you you weren't wrong there. I said the English have Shakespeare, the French Moliere, the, and the you know the Russian Chekhov, but uh, we have the western. Yes. Oh, fantastic. Now, um, we're just about out of time. Before I do let you go, look, uh, if you could just indulge me for a moment. Uh, we, we do host a podcast down here, and one of my former co-hosts' name is Keith, and he would have to be the biggest Robert Duvall fan on the planet. If you could give a shout-out to Keith, he would uh, he could die today and be a very happy man. Hey, man, how you doing? What's up? <laughs> you, having, you having a good day? You having a good day, mate? <laughs> He is going to love me for that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. This is uh, this has been an absolute pleasure for me. Where's the, the, the talented fellow that uh, did Chopper? Eric Banner? Yes, Eric Banner. He he lives down here. Yeah, is, he, is he still okay? Everything going good for him down there in Australia? Yeah, he just made a fantastic film down here called The Dry, which is a real sort of neo-Western, actually. It's fantastic. The dry, oh, I'll be is that Australian Western? Yeah, sort of a neo-Western set in a small country town, but, you know, it's a modern it's a modern setting, but, yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, great. Well, well give Eric my very best. We work together. He's a good guy. He is and a great Chopper's guy. One of, it's, it's, I've seen it, I'm going to see it like the third or fourth time. It's a, it, what, what a performance that was in uh, Chopper. My yeah. goodness, one of the great performances. Oh, is it ever? A remarkable film. Yeah, wonderful. Excellent. Well, yeah. I... I shall let you get on with your evening. Um, I do appreciate you taking the time. Um, very, very pleased to speak with you. Nice. Thank you, sir. Have a, have a good day. Thank you, you. You too. See you later. Bye-bye. There we go. That might have been a short time, Ben, but damn if that was not a good time. Um, like I said before, has to be the biggest pinch me moment since I interviewed Rob Zombie. <laughs> Which co- coincidentally was episode one of the last well, series. Uh, you know, look, I, look, I'm as big a fan of Rob Zombie as the next guy. He's he no Robert Duvall. Yeah, I, I, had, I, am, I am waiting for Rob Zombie's Godfather. I though. had that conversation with Keith as well. He, he says to me, mate, guess, mate, who's who's the biggest person you've interviewed? And I said, well, it has to be Robert Duvall. He goes, who else? And I'm like, well, clearly Rob Zombie. He goes, mate, spare me. 
<laughs> Dragula himself. No way. Anyway, so that was awesome. I'm glad we could we could share that with you on the first episode. And to keep the ball rolling, let's hand it over to the Boneheads where they're going to gush over him a little bit more. That's what I appreciate, Spatchy. That's what we appreciate about Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Today we're back talking about Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall. Now, we Isn't know, that what I said? Yeah, Robert. but I don't know what whom Glenn may have pleased or sold his soul to to get him on his show, but uh, we're a little little bit little bit jealous i'm a little bit jealous i hope he treats glenn like shit i don't know about the two of you i hope he goes, <laughs> off, of one, hope he goes off of one of those old man tirades and just goes blah 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 blah, blah. i can't do a robert duvall but he's invited on the show anytime he wants to come on so yeah, what yeah. we're going to do is talk about a couple of our our favorite duvall performances i'm going to go first lonesome dove written by larry mcmurtry duvall once said that the best movie he was ever in the best product was the godfather but the best material you ever have was lonesome dove and that's probably accurate lonesome dove is a fantastic actually i've never actually read the novel. i really should read the novel it, i think that's one of those uh pulitzer winners james am i correct yeah yeah that, that, that got some awards larry mcmurchie is an interesting guy he orders the same thing at the dairy queen the same dairy queen for breakfast every morning it's it's actually taped the order is behind so if it's someone who doesn't know they can just look and see but I love Lonesome Dove. I, I could, I, that's one of those mini series I can watch over and over and over again. It's directed by Simon Winter, who I think is Australian. Keep going. James, okay, go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, I, I've got to bring up one that I, I, I tend to think of Robert Duvall when I think of Westerns, and that's because of my father. Um, that being said, I've got to bring up one that uh, I, I think the guy that made it could have went on to do something. It's set in the 25th century where everything is homogenous and everything's the same. And Robert Duvall plays THX. Uh, it was made by a sound system. Yeah. It's made by this guy named uh, Jorge Lucas. Lucas. Uh, Lucas. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't see it. Uh, never went on to do anything else, but if you've never seen THX, you should see it. Um, because it does break the, the mold that's in my head, and no offense meant to Robert Duvall, it is because my father, I know you from True Grit with John Wayne. And I'd love to hear a story about that, by the way. But if you've never seen THX uh, 1138 or 1138, or however you want to say that, it is George Lucas's uh, first film. And Good job. To check it out. Chad. Uh, I am going uh, more recent. And by recent, I mean 2003. I'm talking about Robert Duvall as Hub in secondhand lions oh that's a good movie that's a fun movie uh it is a fun great movie and then you have the combination of michael kane and robert duvall yeah yeah and fantastic film it is a fantastic film and him as the as the you know strong-willed gun-toting uncle it's it's amazing and if you haven't seen secondhand lions a lot of people haven't heard of that um check it out it is an amazing film each one of us get one more that we think you should watch, though, that isn't as popular. Chad, go with yours. I know what it is. Go ahead. Uh, I am go- I am going with Falling Down, where he plays Detective Prendergast. I screwed that name up. My tongue got jumbled. But he's really great in that film, uh, along with uh, Michael Douglas. I thought you were going with a different one. James. I was actually going to mention Falling Down. But since he took it, I'm going to say Open Range. 
Oh, that's a great. It's one of the last great westerns. Well, yeah. it's a good western. Man. Going going back to his westerns that I know, Open yeah. Range. Yeah. Well, actually, I was going to say something different, but he, since neither one of you said it, Get Low. Get Low is a great performance. Get and Low is an amazing film. His bit in Sling Blade as an all as a, someone suffering from Alzheimer's, as someone who has had family members, it's about as damn close as I've ever seen on film. Most people don't get it right. He nailed it. And that's yeah. the best compliment I can give him. I don't think most actors get it right. No offense to them. He nailed it. This has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. There you go, everybody. Of course, that is a micro portion spin-off from their full-size Bonehead Weekly podcast, which usually runs for about two hours per episode, if not longer. I highly recommend it. Give them uh, give them a try. They recently had an entire episode talking to Alex Proyas, the director of the Crow, Dark City, and a bunch of other Hollywood movies. And Bonehead are Joe Lewis, Jad Chennings, and James Thomas. All right. So maybe we should continue the Robert Duvall conversation, Ben. Let's do it. Um, why don't we... I'm, I'm curious to know if we've ticked the same boxes here. Let's okay. talk about maybe our top five personal favorite Duvall movies as opposed to you know what you might consider to be his best. I was going to say, this isn't, this isn't my... It's not really my top five favorite ones. I picked... Ones that I thoroughly enjoyed that I don't think people talk about. Like I don't, you may not Perfect. have heard about. Which means we may not have ticked the right boxes, the same boxes, the same but boxes. maybe we have. Let's do one, one you, one me, one you. Right. Okay, you go first. All right. So my first one is uh, from 1973. It's called The Outfit. Definitely not one of mine. Definitely not one of yours. It's uh, directed by John Flynn, who did Rolling Thunder, uh, Bestseller, which is a great movie, and Brain Scan, which I think everyone yeah, yeah. will agree is fantastic. Um, it's based on the Parker novels mm-hmm. by Donald Westlake, who was writing under the name Richard Starr, but there's been a ton of, ton of movies based on his books. Um, is that the Statham one? Is that there is the, the the Statham one is the only one where he's actually they're actually allowed to call him Parker. Yeah, right. In all the other ones, like in this one, his name is uh, Earl Macklin. Gotcha. Uh, in Payback, his name's Porter. Yep. In that Mel, Mel, yeah. That Mel yeah. Gibson Payback. Uh, there's um, Slayground, which I, I can't remember what his name is in Slayground, but that's a British one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? There's a, there's a there's a bunch of them. There's been like about ten. Yeah. Ten different. Um, Parker, Parker movies, but in this one he it's it's uh, Rob Duvall, Joe Don Baker. Mm-hmm. Oh, love him. Um, Karen Allen, it's a great cast. Timothy Carey, Richard Jekyll pops up. Sherry North from uh, Maniac Cop, uh, and Charlie Barrick turns up. Joanna Cassidy is, has a cameo. Robert Ryan is the kind of the the main villain. Yeah. Mari Windsor, Jane Greer, Elisha Cook Jr. from um, the Big Sleep and Maltese Falcon is wow. in it. And it's basically Parker gets out of... And it's very similar to... If you're familiar with Payback, Robert Duvall gets out of prison. He gets picked up for carrying a firearm illegally and has does two years in prison. And when he gets out, um, this criminal organization called The Outfit puts a hit on him because he and his brother, who is in the opening scenes of the film, is killed, yep. uh, robbed a bank that was a front for The Outfit. Gotcha. And so he basically... Uh, goes open season on the outfit and starts mm-hmm. hitting all of their illegal poker games and because uh, he's a he's a thief Parker is a thief awesome Joe Don Baker is awesome it's it's Duval and Baker and Karen Allen going around committing what? crimes it's it's what awesome. year was it a uh, seventy three and Joe Don Baker made Mitchell didn't he it's it's very it's around that um, Charlie Barrick yeah um, uh, was it standing standing tall 
standing tall? What's that one? Uh, walking tall? Walking tall. Yeah. Walking tall. It's that kind of key Joe John Baker period. Yeah, cool. Well, my first one had a recent Blu-ray release through Umbrella, and it's the obvious, it's the only one he's won an Oscar for, but it was Tender Mercies. Right. Which I just think is a, a marvellous film, and that was directed by Bruce Beresford. He's made, like, I've heard someone, someone told me recently that Duvall has an issue with Australian directors. Oh, really? Which I thought, that's absurd. Was it because... Duvall in the interview? <laughs> well, no. Well, when, you, when we were talking to Duvall in, in the interview we just played, he spoke highly of Simon Windsor. And so he, he can't have an issue with it. And to win an Oscar off the back of an Aussie director, yeah. you know, I, I don't really put much credit into that. But Tender Mercies, he does all his own singing, you know, in the country. It's not the best singing. <laughs> That's the beauty of country music, right? Yeah, I country contemplated um, playing one of those songs on this episode and I listened to them and thought, no, I'm not going to do that. No. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. Good performance. Um, it's a strange film because it sort of meanders and doesn't go anywhere, but it's a, it's just a character study. And yeah. Because he's a broken, he plays like a broken down country and western singer, isn't he? Who, who is then reside, re, sort of, he, he comes to terms with the fact he's not going to make it. So he tries to settle down as a family man and obviously. Right. Music is just too... The calling is too strong. And, you know, he's not a nice guy in it by any means. He yeah. tries to be a nice guy, but, you know, he's a bit of a, a asshole, if you will. Yeah. Well, he's, it's like they say in that doco, that 10 feet, 6 foot from stardom or whatever it is. Like, you have to have a certain uh, narcissism, I guess, yep, yep. to succeed yeah. in show business. And it's odd because the, the film begins with him as a drifter, essentially, knocking on a door, do you need any work done? Just, I need somewhere to stay. And then he ends up marrying this woman. Yeah. <laughs> It's strange, but it's a, it's a good film, and that's I love the my, fact that's how I met all my wives. I love the fact that it's on Blu-ray. But um, what's your next one? Uh, my next one is from a bit later on, 1996, uh, A Family Thing. I've got that one on is my that on list. list. That is fantastic, James Earl Jones. Yeah, it's a great movie. Richard Pierce, who directed uh, Leap of Faith and No Mercy with Richard Gere. Yep, fantastic film. Written by Billy Bob Thornton. Yes, of all people. Well, and Tom Tom Epperson. Well, um, Duval and Thornton have a history. Yeah, you know, obviously uh, the Apostle Bob yeah. Thornton is in that, as we spoke in the interview, as sort of a trade off for yeah. Sling Blade. Yeah, yeah, which Duval is in. Yeah, um, and he once again Duval's playing a character called Earl. That's two <laughs> movies now where he's played uh, Earl, uh, and uh, basically the movie is about like on it's uh, at the start of the film, uh, Duval's mother passes away, and on her deathbed. She tells him that she's actually not his mother. Yep. And his and he's like a, a good old boy from Arkansas mm-hmm. who runs a like equipment yep. uh, rental kind of like farm equipment rental place. Uh, his mother is actually uh, black, yep. African-American. And uh, so he kind of confronts his father and in her kind of her, one of his mother's last wishes is that he would go to, I think it's Chicago where, where James Earl Jones lives. Yep. Who is, plays the brother who to meet his brother that he never met. Yep. Or it turns out maybe they did meet mm. when they were kids, but he um, so he travels there and um, kind of gets involved in James in James Earl Jones's life, and he's not he knows he's known about yep. Robert Duvall his entire life and wants nothing to do with him. But yep. it's just, it's just a really really solid drama. It's a real um, what's the word endearing kind of movie. Yeah. You know, it's a nice movie, and mm. you know, and it deals with all the usual you know racial tensions and things like that. Yeah. And, yeah, no, I had that on my list for the same reason. Yeah. So I don't have to read that one out. But right. I'm going to go for 1988 and Colors. Colors. Directed by Dennis Hopper, co-starring um, Sean Penn. Yeah. And this is like one of the first real sort of gritty urban LA gang movies. This is sort of, you know, before um, Boys in the Hood and, 
you know, what's the other one? Um, oh gosh, forgot the name of it. The one with Jada Pinkett. Set it off. <laughs> no. The low down, dirty shame. No. Oh, everyone's gonna. It's, oh. Scream two. <laughs> the round table. Uh, <laughs> Demon. <laughs> Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Night. Oh, keep keep reeling them off because I can't remember. The, it's the one where the. Uh, the what's, oh. that? what's the one? The with Hughes the, brothers. Dead presidents. No, before. <laughs> Don't remember the fucking name. Uh, <laughs> Menace was, to society. Menace to society. Oh, right. We got there, and I'm not. I'm not even I gonna. Didn't, I didn't know that was her. Like I, I mean, I watched that before I knew yeah. who she was. I'm not gonna edit that. No. <laughs> Leave it in. I'm glad it's happened to someone that's not me. What I love about Colors, and it, it's a fantastic film, and he is amazing in it. I think you know, as that tough ass sort of cop that's just he's just you know he loves the streets you know loves cracking skulls you know and like a totally like he's he's not a uh, Black Lives Matter friendly <laughs> cop well, but I remember when this this movie came out I would think I was in primary school when yeah. it came out and I hadn't seen it but it immediately became a thing at yep. school like are you a blood or are you a crip yep. like 100% yep. and you had to learn what those things mean. this is primary school but you had to know <laughs> You know what side? Like there was battle battle lines were drawn over yeah. this film. Like that's how much of a cultural impact it had. What I love most about it is one of the gang leaders in Colors is the guy that plays the the animal show host in UHF with Widow Yankovic, and he goes, "You know, badgers. We don't need those stinking badgers." <laughs> <laughs> and that to me is just they're the only two films I know that he's in. Yeah. Anyway, next one. Uh, okay, uh, this one's from once again uh, another '90s film, 1994's The Paper. Oh yeah, with um Michael Keaton. <clears throat> Michael Keaton and Marissa Tomei and Glenn Close and Randy Quaid and it has a great Randy Quaid. Cameo. Randy Quaid. Oh yeah. The great Randy Quaid and it has a fantastic cameo by Jason Alexander <laughs> as Sandusky the parking inspector. <laughs> Was that Ron <laughs> Howard that directed that? Yeah, directed by Ron Howard. And Clint Howard's in it. Jack McGee, everyone's favourite fat guy actor. I love you say that Clint Howard was in that as if he wasn't going to be in that. Yeah, he's in all of Ron Howard's <laughs> yeah. movies. That's the that's the deal. And Jason Robards, you you it is not allowed. You're not allowed to make a newspaper movie without Jason Robards Correct. in it until he passed away, and then you can make the the post and all that kind of. But spotlight, none of those are. J.K. Simmons, get him in there. Yeah, he had to replace. <laughs> you need you need someone with that gravitas uh, that Jason Robards had. Um, and Duval <laughs> plays the editor in chief of this you yep. know, tabloid esque newspaper, The Sun. From memory, it's it's comical. Is it is. It? It's a it's a light drama. Yeah, yeah. Even though the movie starts with a two black kids being accused of murdering two out of state businessmen, oh, and the whole the whole thing that sets it off is yep. this the the newspaper that Michael Keaton and and uh, Robert Duval work for misses the scoop, even though it's yep. like in their backyard. They miss. And they they're doing like they end up doing a traffic, like a tra- parking because the 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 undercurrent throughout the whole film is that Randy Quaid, who's the paper's columnist, yep. is doing nothing but attacking this the parking uh, <laughs> the parking the chief parking inspector guy, yeah, uh, and that's Jason Alexander <laughs> because he keeps parking illegally and getting tickets. So all he does is use his column to to attack this guy, and so that happens to be what's on their front page while everyone else is you know writing this. <laughs> article about these, you know, this slaying in New York. Right. Do you remember um, when Jason Alexander popped up in Mosquito Coast? He plays no. like, yeah, he plays like the general store owner. I remember when he uh, popped up in uh, Pretty Woman. 
And, uh, and wait, outside of Seinfeld, all he does is pop up. Yeah, yeah. And, all, and then in like Bye Bye Birdie, he he actually has a main role. But other than that, he's definitely uh, best friend or uh, like kind of asshole sidekick yeah. material. You're thinking of uh, Shallow Hell, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, come in, check this out. Check out this turret. Looks like Klinger from Mash. <laughs> Uh, one right. of the greatest performances uh, of his career. My next one, it's it's not like it's not a great film by any means, but it, it really did affect me at the time, and it's The Judge from 2014 with Robert Downey Jr. And I just think, I I think it affected me so much because I I love the portrayal of dementia in it, mm. like, and I think it's it's a really good performance from Duval, particularly those um those scenes where you know son has to wash father in the shower after he shit himself yeah. like it's powerful stuff you know when you break it down like that every son's greatest nightmare yeah that's right and yeah so like i remember watching it going oh this is a very fluffy kind of film like it's very it's tugging at the heartstrings a bit too hard yeah but at the same time like you can't deny that performance you know it's just he was old then like that's what nearly 10 years old 2014 so you know it's old and yeah. he was old and you know Incredible. I don't know much to say about it other than it's got a good soundtrack and the, the chair spins at the end and that makes you cry. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It's a, I mean, he's one of those guys, Duval is, he's another one of those guys who's played older than he is, I guess, or is like for a long time. Speaking of Klinger from MASH, he was in yeah. MASH. He was in MASH. That is yeah. actually on my, boom. that's the next film I was going to talk about. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, from 1970, he plays, and he's a much, a much more psychotic mm. kind of serious version of uh, sure is of Frank Burns that was you know popularized by Larry Linville, <laughs> Dean Dean replacement when you couldn't get John Vernon in a whole bunch of teen sex comedies, uh, <laughs> which is a, which is like I, I I would probably say it is my favorite Altman film. It is my favorite Altman um, film. It is uh, once again another film they've tried to cancel recently, just because of the way these you know these troops treat Sally Kellerman's character, you know, with the shower screen. Yeah, but right. it's like, but that that shit happened. Like you know, you can't contextualize today's standards and, and apply and it to that. To history, you know, yeah. yeah. I think it's a it's a marvelous film. I mean, they do, like look, Friends is being cancelled. Oh, no. Like I mean, <laughs> like what isn't? And you know, people who the people who kind of take this stuff on board the, mm. the kind of the Twitterati yeah you're like who cares they care need something they're... to latch on to yeah. yeah like their lives are so empty that that's this is what they're like yeah. oh, you care. can't cancel MASH like I mean the network yeah. can <laughs> yeah I mean it's not being taken off anything I, I can still no. I, can buy, I can watch it whenever I want you can't like, cancel yeah. MASH but you can cancel after MASH yeah <laughs> <laughs> or uh, what was it? what was uh... was it Walter yeah, I think that's. I think it's radars. It was radars real name Walter? Like yeah, it's Christian uh, Walter, name Walter. Right, Walter. Yeah, O'Reilly. and the TV show was called Walter with all the little asterisks in between each yeah. letter. Like it's actually hyphenated. Yeah, like, weird. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just a design. It's a design choice. And didn't didn't Klinger, Klinger had one as well where he was uh, back in Toledo. Oh jeez, uh, running a pizza place or something. Oh god, which is uh, I mean, I want to buy a. I want to buy a pizza from two trips in a pizza place. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'd rather buy a pizza from the turd that looks like Klinger from Shallow House. But anyway. Well, good. But, um, uh, do you have anything to add about that one? I mean, it's just, it speaks for itself, MASH. Like, if you haven't okay. seen MASH, like, don't, a lot of people probably hear the word MASH and just think of the TV, the show. TV show. A lot of people don't know there's a movie there. It's, uh, yeah, and it, look, he's, I think it's a crime not to have seen it. I mean, I know, and one of, one of Altman's big criticisms of the, 
TV show is that they're in the movie they're pretty they're pretty careful not to really talk about the Koreans. Yeah, like they try and make it. Like it could be any war. Yeah. Like there is that part with Hojon and stuff. Which, yeah, but it's a bit ambiguous. But it is. They're trying not to vilify yeah. anyone yeah. as the enemy. Yeah. Like it's they're just in a surgical. It's about the medical drama kind and, of thing. And, and the coping around. mechanisms of the of the yeah, troops of the troops. That's right. And in the TV series, which and like you're going for what ten years or yeah. whatever it was, you're gonna have to. You, you got to. Like yeah. You got to talk about something. And you got the laugh track going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like every episode can't be about. Was there a laugh track on it? I think there was. On the movie or... No, no, the TV show. Oh, the TV, TV yeah. show for first half, I think. Yeah, because I remember there being like, they half the show has it and half doesn't. Yeah, because when yeah. they got to be hit and they had their own... Yeah. They had enough muscle. They yeah. got the laugh track removed. And it's one of those... It's, it is one of the jokes in uh, Freaks and Geeks when he talks about it. He goes, I'll tell you what, you listen to... You watch MASH without the laugh track. <laughs> it's not a comedy. <laughs> No. Like there are no jokes. That's why they took the laugh track out of Tour of Duty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> China Beach. Yeah. China Beach is a comedy. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got one more. What do you want? Right. We crossed over. So do you have one or two more? I've got one more. I'll go next. My favorite Robert Duvall film of all time, and Keith is going to like absolutely go to town on me for this. Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder. Total classic. All-time classic It is film. an incredible film. I have the 4K. I don't have a 4K player yet, but I've got the 4K <laughs> for when I do. And Randy Quaid, again. Yes. You know, there's two movies they've been in together. Yeah. Didn't think about that until now. Yeah. But that's... I don't know. Something about that movie from Go to Woe, I think it's better than Top Gun. It's Top Gun on Asphalt. Yeah, you I, know. Can, I can take a leave Top Gun. Yeah, but honest. this is just like, from Go to Woe, I think the movie structure is just so fluent. Like, it just yeah. it flows. You know, the, the dialogue might be cheesy, but damn if it doesn't hit every beat. You know, I'm going to drop the hammer. Don't drop the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and then even those moments where, like, um, Duval takes his baseball cap off and throws it on the asphalt, you know. Yeah. I just love it. There's something about it. I watched it, like, a month ago, and I was so... I, I relived my teenage years. Like, I just felt yeah. the same way about it. And you're totally there, like you're, you grow with the Tom Cruise character, like he's yep. fairly brash at the start and arrogant, yep. and then you kind of get to see like that it is just a veneer, yep. and like the vulnerability underneath. And and then Michael Rooker's character has the, the reverse trajectory, Yeah, you know, yeah, and then Carrie Ullis comes in. Yeah, and they basically have the same kind of contentious relationship that, um, except Carrie Ullis is, I think, a much better kind of villain. Yeah. Then, uh, then what's his name in Top Gun? Then um, it's it's such a like, and the cast it. is phenomenal. Like, like John C. Riley's in there. Yes, Pit Pit Boss as the Pit Boss, and th- that's the film that where Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise met. Yes, and she's good in it. I think that was practically a first Hollywood film, if I'm mm. not mistaken. Straight After, off of like, Dead, Dead Come. Come. Yeah. yeah. Oh, anyway, I'm glad we both. Did you have that on your list? Uh, it's it's in my. I did have a list. Notable of, mentions. Uh, notable mentions. <laughs> Well, that is like, it's my all-time favorite Robert Duvall film. It's probably because it's the movie that introduced me to him, mm. like as a teenager. Oh, really? Well, not introduced me, but where I really realized who Robert Duvall was. Yeah, I right. didn't know he was bald until I saw his next movie. Right, really? Yeah, like, because he's wearing a baseball cap in this one, and even when he throws it off, I'm not really paying attention. And, yeah. Yeah, and he, he rocks up in something else, like, that guy's bald. Because <laughs> he's always been, like, I, I yeah. was watching... Uh, even like, Godfather. Like, True Grit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bald in True Grit. <laughs> he was bald in bloody... What month was Cooker's Nest? No, um, what was the... the uh, to Kill a to Mockingbird. Mockingbird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the first... I remember <laughs> watching To Kill a Mockingbird and, and, like, being shocked that it was, like, like how big. Because in that film... 
And it's amazing what comparison, like when you're standing next to other people and stuff yeah. like that, but he's like the hulking yeah. kind of yeah. mute villain, but not not really a villain, Boo Radley in To Kill a Mockingbird. And he's like, oh, he's... Like, and I didn't realise, like, I was listening to the um, uh, the Boneheads talk about his Western yep. kind of past, and I wasn't I wasn't actually that familiar. Like, Lonesome Dove I loved as a kid, but yep. I haven't seen it in 30 years. Sure. Um, and I wasn't that familiar with his kind of like Western work. And mm. then I went back, I was like, oh, that's right. He's in True Grit and he's in, you know, like a bunch of, like a bunch of Westerns and a bunch of cop movies. Yeah. And he's usually playing the villain and he's just so good in all of them. Yep. There's just a... Well, the last film he directed was like a neo-Western, that Wild Horses with James Franco. Where so he... Yeah. I always get that. What's that? What's the, what's the other one with... Um... Not all the Wild Horses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Billy Bob? Is that yeah, Billy? Bob? Man, yeah. this is like six degrees. Yeah, <laughs> going on right here. What's your last one? What's your uh, last my one? My last one is uh, the Eagle Has Landed. Ah, from there you go. 1976 again, directed by John Sturges, the man responsible for uh, Bad Day at Black Rock, yep. fantastic, and uh, Great Escape. Uh, Robert Duvall. That movie is it's it's a fantastic film, mainly because it makes Michael Caine a German. <laughs> Michael Caine <laughs> plays a German officer, and like. In a, in a film that I don't talk about, but the Bonehead guys do talk about secondhand lines where Michael Caine is playing like a good old boy. Yeah. Like Michael Caine, I, like I love Michael Caine, but he is not the man you get for accents. <laughs> yeah. Like he's just, he's Michael Caine. doesn't matter what he He has did. an accent. <laughs> like, I mean, don't, actually don't get me wrong. Like in, in uh, uh, was it Zulu? Yeah. Zulu Dawn? No, what's his one? Um, not Shaka Zulu? No, no, no. no he's in Zulu. 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 When he does the upper crust, he does the, yeah. the kind of RP... Uh, kind of accent. He's actually quite good at that. Hmm. But yeah, just about everything else, like a Holcroft Covenant, all that sort of stuff, he's, he's Michael Caine. <laughs> but um, he's great in this. And the Eagle has landed, is like set towards the end of World War Two, and the Germans are being trounced and Hitler is kind of coming up with, or is okaying, he's not actually coming up with them, but he's okaying you know, more and more kind of bizarre and uh, kind of one in a million missions. Yep. And Robert Duvall is uh, plays a, a colonel who kind of comes. They get a, like a a weird bit of intelligence saying that Winston Churchill is going to be at this country estate. Yep. Uh, for for a couple of days, and so they kind of make this plan uh, to try and infiltrate this country mm-hmm. country um, uh, estate and kidnap Winston Churchill to kind of win the war. And uh, Michael Caine is the is the guy they send. He's the kind of paratrooper commander who's actually, um, who's at the time at the time they hire him at the time they kind of assign him to this mission. He's in a prison camp because he's saved uh, tried to save this Jewish girl. Yeah. Because he's like a he's a German officer who believes in Germany but is not a Nazi kind of thing. <laughs> but so they put him in charge of this kind of Battle of the Bulge esque kind of mission. Jenny Argata pops up in it. She's like a she, awesome. she has a, a very tough role. Yeah, Donald Sutherland is the weirdest. He's like a Irish kind of German <laughs> infiltrator. Well, that's another that movie they're in together. Then Mash. Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, they're in quite a few. I think. Yeah, right. Um, but Lady Ice as well. I think they're both in. It's the second time that that film has been a recommendation on. Well, it's not really a recommendation now, but it's the second time it's been spoken of on oh, that it? side of the desk. That's, yeah, right. Yeah, it must be something about that. Uh, I'll the, give it. Yeah, the aura over there. <laughs> if it wasn't for his love of James of uh, <laughs> of the latter James Bond films, 
I'd say that Keith has good taste. Well, we, we must we must move it along. <laughs> Speaking of Robert Duvall, here is uh, Adam Ross uh, talking about something that has nothing to do with him. Okay, so if you recognise that tune, there is a really high chance that you recognise what summer movie I will be talking about. I'm Adam Ross, it's good to be back. I'm from Adam's Just Seen, and I am talking about Die Hard with a Vengeance. Now, if you remember that little ditty, you remember that it cuts out, and then this movie opens with a bang, and it does not stop from there. This movie has John McTiernan returning uh, to the franchise that he made with initial instalment, and I just think that this sequel kicks all kinds of ass. I saw this movie before I saw Pulp Fiction, so this was my exposure to Samuel Jackson, who is basically kind of got equal billing here with Bruce Willis. Willis returning as John McClane and I don't want to hear any anything about it Bruce Willis as John McClane is just the best performance best character of his entire career uh, here we have to as well an incredible bad guy now because you think to yourself how do we top Alan Rickman how do you do that look William Sadler in number two I got a bit of a soft spot especially his naked kung fu but we have Jeremy Irons here coming as Simon Gruber uh, the brother of Hans and basically this movie written by Jonathan Hensley and look I've heard about this happening with almost every Die Hard movie that they've been written as other movies and then turned into these sequels so this is originally a script called Simon Says which has got a lot of like kind of inventive action sequences and they shoehorned it into this Die Hard franchise I'm not complaining about it because this movie just moves like lightning and has all these really clever little puzzles and bombs and all the things that you need for a really great action adventure. Um, and look, I just <laughs> I think that, you know, talking about summer movies, if you've ever had a hangover and it's been a really hot day, you felt deeply uncomfortable, and has anyone ever had a worse hangover and felt more deeply uncomfortable than John McClane in Die Hard with a Vengeance? Um, this movie uh, would definitely not be made today. I don't think I even need to reference the scene that I'm talking about which as a child just utterly startled me and has probably made me scared of uh, Harlem for my entire life but uh, <laughs> this is just if you haven't seen it I don't really know what's going on with you and I don't know why you're listening to this podcast but you can go and check it out on Star Plus which is that uh, sidebar of Disney that has now got adult entertainment and uh, Hub of the Vengeance is a great adult entertainment uh, upon release people kind of thinking this was like a three-star movie is tell with that I think this is kind of like a five-star movie uh, but a five-star beer and pizza movie so die hub with a vengeance check it out surely there's got to be six degrees of separation that we can apply to die hard three and robert duvall can you think of any (laughs) (laughs) uh well sure okay uh yes uh so robert duvall uh sorry samuel l jackson is in is in die hard yeah. With Bruce Wilkes. Yep. He's also in Goodfellas with uh, Robert De Niro, who is in Godfather Part Two with Robert Wow, Duvall. that was. That's, that's only three. Wow, that's I'm pretty. Sure it's got to be even better ones. I'm sure there's a tighter one. Way better than mine because all I could come up with is Robert Duvall is in Deep Impact, which is essentially Armageddon, and Bruce Willis is in Armageddon. <laughs> They're practically co stars. I'm sure there's a. Yeah, well, there'd have to be. A, like Driving Miss Daisy, directed by Bruce Beresford. <laughs> Bruce Berenford in Tender Mercies. <laughs> Tender Mercies. Can, you, can you use directors oh, in Six mate. Degrees of, separate, of Kevin Bacon? We need to do a Six Degrees episode. How fun would that be? Uh, it'd be a lot of me going, uh, what's that one with that guy in it? With that, uh, oh, you know, that one. That sounds great. Let's do it. <laughs> but hey, we are uh, in the final stretch here. And um, we're 
almost at the part where we recommend movies as if we haven't been doing that for the last for the whole, what little Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. But before we do, what I want to start doing is every week um, just talking about what's screening at the Astor, even if we just sort of run through them because the Astor are kind of good friends of the show and they're providing some giveaways for us, some passes, which we'll start giving away very soon. Um, if you're outside of Melbourne and don't know what it is, the, the Astor is essentially a revival movie theatre. I think it's the oldest and biggest screen it's an Art Deco, a lovely Art Deco cinema that is the, I think it's the oldest in... Southern Hemisphere, at least. Yeah. And look, their, their repertoire screen... It is a rep theatre. Yeah, their, their schedule and their slate is incredible. So this week, and in fact tonight from 7.30 on March the 1st, Fistful of Dollars and A Few Dollars More, both screening classics yes and then if you go down on thursday night at 7 30 they got coin and power Skatsky. that's a that's a watch that is a long and arduous watch but i love those films see them on the big screen is incredible i think those those screenings are always incredibly popular yep uh wonder if they'll do the third one which steven soderbergh um produced Power Cuts is the second one. I think it's uh, Nakoy Cuts. Nakoy Cuts, yeah. Yes. I can't pronounce any of them. (laughs) On Friday night at 7.30, they're playing The Rock and Speed. That's a pretty awesome double feature. That is a... Yeah. And then uh, if you're into it on 11... (laughs) On Saturday... (laughs) Saturday at 11 a.m., we've got Lord of the Rings trilogy in 4K, followed by a Sunday 7 p.m. screening of Live and Let Die and The Man with a Golden Gun, which is the continuation of their ongoing Bond slate of films so visit astortheatre.net.au check out their full program and um, keep listening to the show in coming weeks we've got giveaways alright one more thing before we get to the uh, recommendations and that is our own prizes and cool shit to give away thanks to Lunar Driving we've got free pass uh, to their regular sessions which allows you free entry for one car load which is up to three to seven people legally seated at a value of 30 bucks so go visit lunardriving.com.au don't forget to hyphenate the driving and uh, check out their full schedule of screenings. And, of course, from our friends at Eagle Entertainment, we have a swag of brand-new releases. We've got the Bruce Willis sci-fi horror film Breach on Blu-ray, Simon West's Skyfire on Blu-ray, the dystopian sci-fi Coma also on Blu-ray, and the supernatural horror film The Curse of Audrey Earnshaw on DVD. That's a, that's a tongue full, that one. <laughs> Uh, anyway check out what else Eagle have released at eagleentertainment.com.au and so to win this one prize that is the Lunar Pass plus the Eagle titles all you have to do is get one friend to follow our Facebook page then have them send us a private message telling us that you sent them and then they will also win a prize and now let's recommend some movies Ben you've been sitting over there patiently while I chew people's ear off you want to go first? Uh, sure I uh We'll recommend. I just watched this recently, and if you follow me on Letterbox, you will have seen it pop up. I'm not actually sure what year it's from now that I think about it, but it is uh, released overseas as uh, Ransom. I think 1975. I think off the top of my right, head. Right. Okay. Um, released as uh, as Ransom overseas, but in Australia, which I've just found out thanks to your uh, <laughs> DVD collection, as the Terrorists. Yes. Uh, it's a Sean Connery film about a plane hijacking. There's a uh, a group of terrorists have, uh, they're, I think they're actually British terrorists, funnily enough, who have, they've, and the movie is all set in, in uh, Scandinavia somewhere, Denmark or <laughs> it's Sweden. A, it's or, a strange movie. Or something, and yet everyone speaks in English accents and stuff, and you can't <laughs> tell the difference between, and the, like there is, there's definite kind of animosity between the Brits and yep. the security forces in this country, in this country, the country where it's set. 
um, I think it's is it Sweden maybe yeah because anyway in Sweden but um, they they kidnapped the the English ambassador in yep. order to free political prisoners in the UK um, or in the US or wherever the hell they want to release political prisoners um, but they kind of get caught so in order to for them to escape uh, these other terrorists like their their confederates <laughs> hijack a commercial airliner and say they're going to kill all the people in the thing in the airplane if they don't let the other terrorists escape with the british ambassador yep and sean connery plays colonel tavik who is the head of swedish security who does not want to give in to terrorists despite <laughs> this country having been ordered by the brits yep. to do whatever they're told um and it's a super kind of tense political thriller excellent ian mcshane uh from deadwood fame pops up as one of the terrorists you forget that he was in lots of things before deadwood <clears throat> and he's like it's very like this is like this is pre-lovejoy <laughs> but it's like watching lovejoy as a terrorist it's great it's 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 the it's called delta force prelude <laughs> yeah that's right yeah and the, it's got a fantastic score by jerry goldsmith it yeah. is a, it is a top-notch uh political thriller well worth uh the watch all right so my turn uh i'm gonna i'm gonna run through this Fairly quickly, so we can wrap this whole thing up. Um, over the summer break, I watched a whole lot of um, classic Australian films from the 70s and 80s, which I kind of do anyway, just all the time. Yeah, well, feel like it's becoming my thing. The club is on constant rotation. <laughs> and I'm not a Collingwood fan. I don't want to pretend... You can love the club and not be a Collingwood supporter. Correct. I just want to put that out there. Yes. And um, they should do a sequel now that you know Eddie's been you know, shafted. Yeah. And, oh, wouldn't that be great? Is David Williamson still alive? Well, his son is. His son is uh, in movies and like writes movies and actually, <laughs> funnily enough, co-wrote the original Occupation and he's in it. <laughs> there you go. Well, yes, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the film I watched, um, which I had never seen before, it's called Summerfield from 1977. This one was all shot entirely on Phillip Island and Churchill Island, which is right. what drew me to it in the first place when I saw this, you know read about it and like got to see it it's on amazon prime so i hit it up psychological sort of um dramatic thriller it stars john waters nick tate the real john the waters. real john waters the glass onion john waters yeah. uh nick tate elizabeth alexander and geraldine turner and i love nick tate i love his voice you love boobs too so i do love boobs this has good ones amongst other things uh, true Australian cinema fashion it is about a teacher a substitute or replacement teacher who arrives at a small local school to replace the teacher that's gone missing and he discovers that this town has a very dark secret and there's a lot of sort of um, sinister dark undertones in the community Ooh. and it's very mysterious and it culminates in one of I'd have to say one of the most shocking endings I've seen in an Australian film like it's really gut-wrenching stuff Right, it's so full on and it's fantastic. It was um, directed by Ken Hanam, who had just made um, what, what was it? He made Sunday Too Far Away. Right, came straight off that onto this. He also directed. He do, hang on. Oh no, I'm thinking of Sunday Bloody Sunday. No, hang on. Is it yes, Sunday Too Far Green Away? No, no, it's the one that um, Umbrella just released. Yeah, yeah, with Jack Thompson. No, that was Ken Hanam. Oh right. Yeah, and he also did Ro Robbery Under Arms, amongst many others. It was written by. Cliff Green, who had just written Picnic at Hanging Rock. So it's kind of got that haunting kind of aspect to it. And I guess the best way to describe the tone, it's like a Tim Winton kind of story. If you ever saw In the Winter's Dark or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is a really powerful Aussie film. Uh, it's like that. But anyway, watch it, if anything, for the finale because 
I've never heard of it, and I I'm now chomping at the bit to. Um... Well, the, the interesting thing about it is that Ken Hanan practically disowned the film after it came out because it, it, there's a lot of infighting and production turmoil. Uh, but I I don't want that to turn anyone off because the film just speaks for itself when you watch it. It's fantastic. Anyway, that's my recommendation, and that pretty much is the end of the show. So it's great to be back, and thanks for listening. I want to give a big thanks to Jarrett, Guillermo, Adam, Joe, Chad, James. It's good to be back on the bus with them. And Ben, it's especially unreal to have you here at the desk for the first time. Yeah, no, it's uh, fantastic. And um, so if you uh, hit up our videos this coming week, we've got um, a spitball video for you, your first in-studio spitball. spitball. Yes, where you actually throw a spitball. <laughs> so that will be up tomorrow night, Tuesday night. That will be our video. And... Um, don't forget to keep up with all of our social media presence and uh, join in the conversation because we want to hear from you. We're going to take you out with a song by Richie Havens. It's called Driving and it's from the Cannonball Fever soundtrack, a.k.a. Speed Zone, a.k.a. Cannonball Run 3. Why? Don't ask questions. <laughs> Yes.